The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Our next guest, as I mentioned off the top of this show, not only a great artist, he's a great human being. Daniel Sundahl is a career firefighter and paramedic currently working in Leduc, and he's blushing already. Uh, and as you're about to hear, those years on the job have taken a toll, almost taking his life at one point, but he's fought back, is now sharing his message of post-traumatic growth, love that, post-traumatic growth, through his artwork and from his presentations, and he's doing it right around the world. In fact, just returned home from Australia yesterday. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jillian. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, thank you. We um, we met for the first time um, in February. You were presenting, I was emceeing um, at the the Alberta Peace Officers um, uh, Association Conference in uh, Jasper, you were presenting, and that night, that I'd heard about you because Jesperson has seen mm-hmm. you speak before, and he has told me that um, he had a real visceral, emotional reaction to your presentation. Um, I had the same thing when I listened to it, and I know so many other people did. In fact, the person getting up to speak after me um, ended up in tears. Mm-hmm. Does that happen often to you? Yeah, it does, and it's not because um, it's the. It's not a it's, bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's my presentation includes the artwork as well, yeah. and I think anytime you combine, you know, the words with the visual experience, it makes it a, a little bit more impactful. Uh, and I think a lot of times people uh, hear my story and they look at my artwork and they attach their own experiences mm-hmm. um, to the imagery. So it's almost. Um, the images or the artwork that I create is more like a, a catalyst for other people um, to experience more viscerally maybe the, the, their past experiences or things that they've experienced, especially if they're first responder. Yes. Um, it's much more vivid that way. So I think that was uh, is kind of what happens sometimes when I when I speak. Sometimes, not always, not but always, sometimes. Yeah. Um, let's you know maybe start from the beginning uh, a bit. So to give my listeners a little bit uh, mm-hmm. about your story, if you're you're good with that? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, and yeah, you've been a paramedic, a, a firefighter for, for many a number of years. Yeah, about 15, 16 years now, full-time. 15, 16, out to in Ladue. That's right. Um, and um, it took a toll. Yeah, it did. My story isn't uh, really typical when you think of PTSD or, or mental uh, stress injuries. Uh, you know, my, my perception of PTSD was, uh, you know, you're okay, and then you have one specific event uh, that causes, you know, PTSD. And uh, for me, it wasn't that way. It was just a, over a period of time, uh, this constant stressors that kind of impaired me uh, to the point where I was having uh, really serious symptoms uh, and eventually contemplating having a suicide death plan, uh, which I thought was a normal behavior because I was so far deep in my hole that I didn't realize how uh, how bad my situation was. Did the symptoms start off smaller and then get bigger and bigger, obviously, to get to the point where you're thinking about dying by suicide? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it did. It started, um, you know, just general sadness, depression, anxiety, um, apathy, um, getting starting to become really withdrawn, uh, more introverted, and then eventually thinking about death and dying, welcoming it if, if it happened, and then eventually um, making a plan. How long ago was that? That was about three years ago, three or four years ago. Um, yeah, it was pretty scary. Uh, 
luckily I realized what was happening and I went and uh, was assessed by a psychologist uh, and evaluated and then I developed or we developed a treatment plan for myself which really saved my life. You um, waved the flag or people around you waved the flag and said, okay, something's going on here. You need to get some help. Um, you made that decision to go get that help. Not a lot of folks do. And I know, I think that's part of the challenge that a lot of folks face. They're, they're worried about what what might be thought of them. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about, you know, the futures, the families, all of that. What did you face when you made that decision to ask for some help or get some help? Well, this you know, the stigma is real. Like, that is a real thing, and we talk about it, and we talk about, um, you know, voicing up and speaking up and saying, you know, if you're feeling this way, make sure you say something. Uh, but it really goes beyond the individual, and it really is a society thing that we need to uh, try to change because, um, you know, sometimes people do voice up and say that they're not feeling well, and there is negative mm-hmm. um, percussions from that, uh, and that's still happening. So in, in my case... Um, you know, with my department, it was it was great. They were very supportive. They understood what was going on, uh, and I was lucky that I I got the help that I needed. And um, you know, our chief he used to be a, an Edmonton medic for a long time, so he's well aware of mm-hmm. the situations and the and the events that we're that we experience. Um, so yeah, we get lots of support from him that way. So if you're sitting in front of your computer right now at 311 and you're wondering, you know, I'm talking a, a little bit about uh, Dan's art here, you can check it out uh, online at dansunphotos.com, uh, on Twitter at dansunphotoart, on Instagram as well. Um, it's it's powerful, sometimes um, tough to look at. Other ones are very comforting. Um, and others are uplifting, like you cover the, the wide gamut, but I guess that's a whole part of your journey. When did you start the artwork with this journey? Was that almost, did that come with the treatment plan almost? Yeah, that kind of was my treatment really? plan. Really, yeah. I always, I did the artwork before, but, you know, pictures of my dog and landscapes <laughs> and that kind of stuff, yeah. just uh, as a hobby. But once I started incorporating, incorporating it as um, as a way to purge these memories from my mind, that's really when I, that's when I realized that it was a, it was a good tool for me to really get into it and uh, process these calls that I did um, you know when I create the artwork they're all based on calls that I've done they're all based on my own experiences and you know it takes about a week to do each one and during that week I try to recreate how I felt <clears throat> during that call uh, and I really get into it and I'm really focused on that and then when I'm done <clears throat> I have a one-dimensional image of what that call meant to me so it's a very cathartic process for me and like i said even the images that i'm creating now they're all based on my own experiences i don't create them from for other people uh and i don't apologize for them i don't censor my images because it is a personal process for me i'm just really lucky uh and really humbled that my peers uh, are accepting of it uh, and they can attach their own experiences to it. This has, um, it's almost like the dance on movement that has happened and the support that you're receiving and the work now that you're doing. Um, and I want to get to that. I just want to backtrack a little bit because in your presentation, um, and I like it, it's almost like a jack in the beanstalk. It's a bean that's growing mm-hmm. and, and about how you start shedding things away and start growing. And I think uh, I'll, 
lot of talk over the past number of years, especially, um, has gone from post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic stress injuries to post-traumatic growth. And taking uh, what you've gone through, going, gone through and growing with it, not letting it define you, not letting it hold you back, but taking those next steps. Can you explain that to our, to our listeners who might not know? It was amazing. The first person who ever talked to me about post-traumatic growth was um, a widow from Afghanistan. Her husband had kill, been killed in Afghanistan. And she was doing more and more research into this, and it was helping her. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, the very start. So what is that exactly? You know, I really wasn't aware of it either. And when I did discover it, um, it was it was like a silver line around the dark cloud. It was very uh, encouraging for me. So I researched it myself to find out what this post-traumatic growth was. And, you know, I discovered that there's been a lot of research being done in this field. You know, for me... And again, I'm not a professional, I'm not a mental health, I'm, I'm a paramedic, I'm a firefighter, so I can only share my own experiences with it and things that I've learned. And for me, I th- and I think for most first responders that, you know, we talk about post-traumatic stress and disorders uh, and occupational stress injuries, we always think, you know, we have, we're impaired in some way from it. And our goal is to, is to recover or go back to our baseline so what we try to do, you know, to the point where I've heard some say, you know, I'm just, I'm doing okay. I'm keeping my head above water. I'm doing what I can. Uh, and that kind of seems to be the goal or that was like our standard of, you know, let's get back to our baseline. But the reality is, is that if we can do the work, uh, because it does, it takes a lot of work to get better. When you get, when you go through the recovery process, uh, it's not easy. It hurts. I'm, again, this is my experience. Mm-hmm. But the end process is, is because you've, reconfigured your mind so to speak you can come out the other end a different person a better person than you were before uh and that's really exciting right so i think the goal can now be instead of uh you know baseline it could be to be better than you were before and post-traumatic growth is that is that going through the work um going through the necessary changes to to get better uh you potentially can be better than you were before which is exciting now it can't in some cases, you know, depending on the level of impairment, uh, kind of results on, mm-hmm. it depends on how you can, your level of post-traumatic growth can be. But knowing that there's other people out there and it's a real thing, um, it gave me a lot of hope, you know, and when I was going through my recovery. So that's what I do when I talk. I, I share that potential and possibility of not only recovery, but post-traumatic growth. Dan, just from your from your experience um, over the past 15, 20 years, why do you think some people um, end up being really impacted by the work and other folks are able to just sail on through? Yeah, you know, I don't know. That's a really good question. And I think if we knew the answer to that, we would solve <laughs> a lot a of... Take a magic pill, yeah, right? We'd, well, we'd, we'd solve a lot of problems, but... Yeah, it's really it's really hard to tell. Like, you know, when you when you talk about mental health, it's you know to say that it's a gray issue is mm. or non-black and white. It's you know I don't know. I think it really depends on on past experiences. Like me and my partner, we can go to the same call, uh, but if there's a young child involved, then my partner is going to be more infected that than I would, even though it's the same call. So I think a lot of it for first responders uh, depends on previous experiences and previous experiences. Um, 
of calls that they've done as well. I think one of your uh, one of your um, pieces of artwork that really struck home for a lot of folks at this conference that we were at together was one uh, involving uh, a young child. And if I remember correctly, it's a young child sitting on the back of an ambulance. Yeah. Can you give just, uh, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot here because people can't see this, but mm-hmm. maybe you can paint a, uh, a visual image of, you know, a piece of artwork because there's so many layers to your artwork and you can be looking at it and until you point something else that's there you're like oh i didn't see that yeah. there's many layers there yeah it's very individual for each person to see it it means something differently for everybody uh based on their own experiences so that picture that you're you're speaking about um it's called you're not alone and it's based on a call i did where uh, an entire family was tragically killed in a in a car accident uh, we arrived on scene and um it was obvious that there were probably not going to be any survivors uh, and there wasn't but unfortunately there was this little girl in in the car as well <clears throat> in this car seat and there was this teddy bear uh, in the ditch that had blood on it and I assume that she was probably carrying it uh, and that's what kind of upset me about the call is or something that I just kept reflecting on uh, was this little girl in her car mm. um, with her family probably playing with this teddy bear and then all of a sudden her whole family's gone right Uh, so that's the thing that really struggled with me and then of course I couldn't get the vision of this little girl out of my mind so when I created the artwork um, it was a picture of me and my because we were integrated and I was on the fire truck that day um, where I was sitting in the back uh, and holding this teddy bear which I didn't I didn't actually take this teddy bear with me but then I painted in the girl, mm-hmm. but as a little angel with wings who still yeah. had this teddy bear looking at me, kind of saying it's okay. Yeah. So now when I when I think of that call, that's how I see her. I see her as this little girl, as a little angel uh, who still has that teddy bear with her. Um, and that's how I picture her now versus what I actually saw. So really, it's about flipping off the switch to that original memory and making it a different one and more palatable, more easier to live with. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's what's ha- yeah, it's great. Cause, uh, so I'm now able to... to and I, I don't know how what the process is for that, and I'm sure there's you know, there's some psychological reasons for that, but um, maybe... Because it does take a long time. It takes about a week um, to create this one picture, and then it's this one-dimensional image that I'm left with. Are, are, you, are you emotional during that time? Does it... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah like it's There's very tears, time. there's anger, yeah. there's all of that. Because like yeah. that's... Yeah, and it comes out in the in the artwork. Yeah. Uh, but it's this one-dimensional picture. It's no longer, and I describe it as, um, you know, this organic being inside my head that just invades my consciousness uninvited, uh, which is worse at, at night because I can't consciously defend myself, yeah. which is, I think, for me, the reasons why I had difficulty sleeping and had all these nightmares. But once I do this and create the artwork, then it's just one picture that's not moving. Um, I can control it. I controlled it because I created it. Um, and that memory's that organic thing in my mind's gone. You have found the best way for you to deal with your post-traumatic stress, with, with the, the, the OSI that you have lived with now for a number of years. And that's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, I'm really lucky. I'm very lucky. And uh, fortunate for me, um, my peers some of my peers, not everyone likes my artwork, I'm nope. not going to say that, uh, but some of my peers, they attach their own experiences to my artwork, which I never thought was going to happen. I thought the opposite was going to happen when I first created. I'd never intended on sharing them with anybody, um, fearing <laughs> a negative response from my, my peers, but um, 
the exact opposite happened, which has been wonderful, which is why I get to travel everywhere and, and share my story. Daniel Sundahl joining us in studio this afternoon. Again, if you want to check out his work, it's dansunphotos.com. On Twitter, he's at dansunphotoart on Instagram as well. We'll take a quick break here. Come back. Uh, Daniel Sundell, firefighter, paramedic, and artist right after this. Daniel Sundahl joining us in studio this afternoon. Again, you can check out his work, danceonphotos.com. Getting lots of comments coming in at 6.30, 6.30. Thank you for that. I have passed them on to Dan. We're going to run out of time, but I have a couple questions I want to ask you. Um, and I know a number of people will ask this, and uh, because I've seen it come up numerous times whenever we talk about um, OSIs, is if the job's so tough, why do you keep doing it? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's great that there's so much awareness being brought up about um, mental health for first responders, which I think is spurring that comment, which is good. And it's a good question. Uh, and again, I can only answer for myself, but you know, and I use this artwork to promote it, uh, to promote mental health and, and lower stigma, but that's a small percentage of what I actually do. Um, you know, we help people, we're in a position uh, a very unique position to be there for people um, when they really need it. You know, I, I, f I find that a an honor and a privilege to be there for somebody um, that's on the worst day of their life. But I also feel that same way for, you know, if someone wants to, you know, I have no problem. This is going to be, isn't, I don't think is common for most paramedics to say, but I have no problem getting called at three o'clock in the morning uh, for a, a lady that's had a sore knee for four weeks. <laughs> I have no problem doing that because when I go into, into her apartment um, and she sees me and I can help her, um, I have, I enjoy doing it. Like I enjoy that interaction, even, you know, the non life and death situations. Uh, it's those situations too, are that, um, those interactions with, with my patients, uh, that is really meaningful to me, even after this long. Uh, you know, and if I'm doing a call like that at four o'clock in the morning, um, that also means I'm not doing, you know, a pediatric code in a car at uh -huh, four o'clock in the morning uh -huh. either. So I have no problem doing those those types of calls. There's some, uh, I've seen some articles certainly around certain days that are focused very much on talking about mental health, that sort of stuff. Some people saying, you know what, all the talking is not doing anything and, and it can be detrimental. I'm guessing you're going to say that you don't believe that. No, yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't believe that at all. It's, you know, bringing the awareness and talking about it, um, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's causing harm for sure, and I'm sure it's it's better than it was. I'm pretty sure. Again, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know the statistics on it, um, but the reality is, statistically, it is it is a, a real issue, it and, is. and it is unfortunately killing a lot of us. So th those folks who are lucky enough to um, hear you speak, and and I have been lucky enough to hear you speak, and I know you're now traveling again around the world, but you're doing some stuff here as well. Um, are there opportunities for folks maybe who are listening to 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 to, to hear that message? Uh, yeah, I'm doing the best I can to promote promote this message, and I invite other uh, first responders from around the world that I've met that I've met to come and speak at a conference that we put on every year. Uh, this next one is going to be in Canmore uh, in October 6th and 7th. We're going to launch that that news probably next week. Okay. Um, but yeah, I have six speakers coming in from around the world to talk similar to my message about post-traumatic growth, and that's the focus, post-traumatic growth, um, of how what happened to them, the signs and symptoms that they had, but more importantly, what they do to get better and maintain their resiliency, and in these cases, to go into post-traumatic growth. If there's anyone listening right now who's 
who's thinking, well, this message is kind of resonating with me mm-hmm. and I haven't had the nerve. What do you want to say to say to them? Well, you're not alone. That's the big, for me, it wasn't alone. And, and I never wanted to say anything. I didn't want to tell anybody anything because I was a bit ashamed. I was embarrassed. I felt uh, weak um, and unable, but it's a very common thing and it happens to many of us. And although you do feel that way, you shouldn't feel that way. Uh, so I'd encourage anyone that can really resonate with that um, to contact someone in their peer support group or contact somebody or at least come forward and talk with someone they feel safe with talking to. Um, or you can go on, you can Google search online PTSD assessment yeah. and you can do your own online assessment without anybody knowing and the results will come up and they'll give you suggestions. And as a matter of fact, there's a link to one on your um, on your webpage mm-hmm. as well. Again, uh, dansunphotos.com. Wish we had more time, Dan. Yeah, Let's thanks, do it again Jim. sometime soon. Me here. It was, okay. It's been great. Take care. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.